0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: This podcast contains description of violence, and a few F-bombs are dropped normally by me. Therefore, it's not suitable for children. I'm criminologist Anne McMahon, and welcome to Stalking Australia. Have you ever been love-bombed? Love-bombing happens when someone overwhelms you with loving words, actions, and behavior, all as a manipulation technique. It can be very flattering in the beginning, but can soon become overwhelming when they pressure you into rushing things, things like planning marriage or moving in together. Rebecca went from being love-bombed to installing security cameras to seeking an AVO from the courts. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me in.
1: Really, a pleasure to be here. Wow, that's great. Um, let's get right into it, Rebecca. Where were you in your life before you met your stalker?
0: I was a single mum to two young boys, um, living on my own and was venturing back out into the dating world
1: right so how did you first meet your stalker
0: um through online dating i believe it was an app called oasis active
1: and what happened then
0: um we were in a long-term relationship for quite a few years uh which resulted in one child together um that child is now two nearly three years old um and that's how it all began
1: so how did things start going wrong what what caused that? What caused the relationship to go wrong?
0: Um, I noticed him drinking a lot more. Uh, it was to the point where he couldn't go a day without drinking, and sometimes to the point where he would drink in excess to the point where he passed out.
1: Right. Oh, okay. So,
0: um, what happened next? Um, things eventually got worse, especially after having our child together. During my labour, he actually kept sneaking out of the room to go and get alcohol from the car, and we. We had an incident where our child had to be in hospital due to jaundice and he was really not around as much, used the basis that he was working, which he wasn't working that much. Um, I did all the raising of the child pretty much, so I decided I would leave um, that you know, the drinking for me was a big deal breaker because I couldn't get him to help when I needed the help.
1: So um, you see, he said he was working and he wasn't. What was he doing when he had told you that he was working?
0: I'm not too sure. I've never really found out that truth. Quite a few times I've spoken to previous bosses when he's left a job And they've said to me, they would tell him he was needed at work. He would tell them he was needed at home with me. And all the while be telling me he was at work.
1: Right. So you've decided to leave. How... How many times did it take you to try to leave before you finally left?
0: Um trying to think. It's, to, it's to quite a few. The first time I left, I went back because I was pregnant. Um, the second time I had gone back and it became serious and we'd started legal proceedings. And then he's just one of those people that are really convincing. And I think I've been back about three times after that.
1: Yeah. Start show that women take about seven times to yep, try and leave before they finally leave. A lot leave. of effort. And did things get worse once you left?
0: I am. Uh, The first time I left, it did. He started using drugs. Um, It wasn't until a phone call from my mother-in-law saying did I know where he was, no one could contact him and I I was the only one that was able to get through to him that I found out that his family had actually lied to me for many years hiding his past history of drug and alcohol abuse um, and also hiding the fact of mental health issues. So it got a lot worse. Um, And then when I left after having the baby, it got worse because he thought he could do the drugs around the baby and still have access, which obviously I denied. So Um, is this your
1: second child to him?
0: No, the first.
1: Oh, this is the first one one and only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just when he was a baby, yep.
1: Okay. So you left quite soon after having the baby?
0: I think about three months in, yeah. Oh, wow. So So you've got got
1: prior children... And now you've got a three-month-old and you're on your own.
0: Yeah, and try to keep things civil... But I think it was an incident where he had ducked outside when he was supposed to be doing a visit and said he'd be back shortly. And about 20 minutes later, I went outside to find him smoking marijuana in my front yard and I went, no, visitation stopped. So we started legal proceeding then with the family court. Um, And it wasn't until much after that we had police involvement. Um, Police involvement really started when he kept showing up where I was, where he would purposely sit out front of my house and overdose so that we had to get involved.
1: Overdose on what?
0: Um, it was synthetic marijuana, but there was always packets of other pills that we could never really identify what they were.
1: Wow So he's doing this in your driveway.
0: Um, on my street and the street that runs along my street where you could see it from my
1: front door. Uh, so what happened? the police and ambulance were involved? Every single time
0: we've had to ring an ambulance because it involves drugs in New South Wales, they are required to bring police with them. because they don't know, if that offender would become violent. Yeah. So every single time the police got involved, um, normally they would just search him, they'd find the synthetic marijuana and it would be, okay, we're sending him off to hospital and nothing ever sort of really came from that. How many times Um, did
1: this happen, Rebecca?
0: A lot. I think the the straw that broke the camel's back for the police was him overdosing on a main road where children could find him as well. Wow. Um, And then within hours of being released from the hospital, he was overdosing out front of mine so I was very lucky that the second police officer that attended there was a young female police officer and she's like understood and she was like no enough's enough with this and this behavior so she got the AVO sorry a DVO so domestic violence order instead of just apprehended violence order right um taken out that day
1: so this is happening on numerous occasions why aren't why aren't they getting them into a mental health facility?
0: I would honestly love to know the answer to that myself. I've never found that out. The first time he did it when I was pregnant, he was sent to a mental health hold at Blacktown Hospital in New South Wales. Sorry, and so he
1: he took an overdose while, when you were pregnant?
0: Yeah, when we first separated due to him cheating. Um, ah. That was back in, I believe, the January of 2018. Right. Um, and he was on a mental health hold at the hospital and then counsellor actually rang me and said, do you mind if we release him into your custody? And I went, excuse me, what? And I went, you're kidding me. Yep. No one sort of did the right thing and no one thought about the consequences of releasing him and especially trying to release him back into my care and I'll yeah. end up passing on his father's number and saying no you need to ring his dad because I don't want to deal with this.
1: Absolutely.
0: So it's been a long tedious process where the justice system doesn't match up to the requirements of what people that are going through that need Right.
1: Um,
0: and it sort of allowed his behaviour to get worse. Yeah. Um, unfortunately with the lack of intervention, from the police he thought he was invincible so he started appearing at my windows at my house sitting in the park across from my house um in the same shopping center we were Mm. he would appear everywhere and I would get messages of I'd be on a phone call to a friend that lived in a different state so I would get messages telling me what I was saying because he'd be sitting outside my window
1: oh that's terrifying yeah Um, it was
0: to the point where we were actually issued a emergency safety device which is like a GPS locator and it will automatically alert police to your location.
1: So you carry that?
0: I did for a while, yep. Um, it was provided to us by a domestic violence service for me and my children in case there was an
1: incident. Okay. So how does that work? Like you if some if he turns up, you push a button or something and they know where you are.
0: Yeah, every time you change location, so once you get home, you push a button and it updates where your location is. Right. Um then if you go to the shops, you obviously update again. And then if there's an emergency and he's approached you or breaching his you can push an emergency call button and it's like a mini telephone but it only rings
1: to them. To the police.
0: Yeah, it rings directly through to the emergency assistance line, and and they can get police to you in the last known location.
1: That is so good. I've never heard of that before. So for for listeners that are maybe in the same situation as you and don't know about that, how did you come to? How did you get that? Like, did you know about it, or someone put you onto it?
0: I didn't actually know about it. It was provided to me through a service called the Wash House in Mount Druitt, New South Wales. Um, other services out there might have something similar. But being that it's quite an expensive device, it is limited to services that have that kind of funding, which unfortunately it shouldn't be. It should be a, a more widely yeah. accessible thing. Um But it was just something that the DV advocate were able to give me and give me a bit of peace of mind. They were also able to help with setting up security cameras at my house. Which they paid for? They did pay for. And at the end of the day, I wanted to keep them. So with victim services funding, I was able to be able to keep them and pay the service back for their original contribution in
1: getting the cameras. That's brilliant. So what is the wash house, Rebecca, for those of us that don't know? um the wash house for in this instance is a dv advocacy
0: team they help out with counselling. Um, they can also attend court with you to be an advocate for you. Um, they can also advocate with uh, sorry advocate with police and other services. They do attend meetings like here in New South Wales. We have what's called SAMS listings, which means they're high risk offenders, and it brings different services together at a meeting. I think I believe from memory, it's weekly. Um, so like police in the local area, um, any DV advocate teams, things like community housing, and they can all get together and figure out if there's some way that they can help prevent this person being at risk. That's brilliant. Um, But it is, it is a great program. Um, I don't know the real logistics of how that one works, but yeah. the Wash House, they are part of it. Um, and they do help, like, for me, they... Were a contact after that it went through to the police. So I was forwarded onto their service by the police. Um, by the police because it was a DV situation, right? Um, so it is out there. It's just something that someone might need to know to ask for. Unfortunately, Absolutely. it's not. Yeah, it's more of a word of mouth thing right. rather than it being a well known. thing. Be. As
1: it be. Why isn't this available to every woman who's in or uh, and men who are? I um, would love
0: to know that. I really would.
1: Yeah. If it's available to some, it should be available to everyone. That's crazy. Yeah, it,
0: it's such wonderful services out there that aren't getting the notice or the notoriety that they deserve um, that women don't know and men don't know that they're out there for these services
1: Exactly. to be accessed. Yeah, why is that? Why is that? Um, just going back to when you first... Um, contact to the police, Rebecca, I remember you saying that the general duty officer that you first spoke to wasn't entirely helpful. Can you just talk us through that?
0: So I've had quite a few incidents with, with general duty officers that don't know the D V route like they should. Mm. Um originally because it was more we were concerned about the drug use, they weren't saying that it was the D V side of things. This was a, a control play to overdose in front of the house. Um so they didn't take it as serious. We had actually been into a police station before when he had made threats to sit out front of the house for hours to ask for an ABR and it was declined, told that there was no grounds for it, that he's not a concern, he's not a risk. Um and then later in my experience with dealing with the police with we actually had a general duties officer that asked very personal questions on a recorded statement, which goes through to the court, including my new address, which was a safe address, what? my new phone number, which he didn't have, my school and my children, which he didn't have that information. So we actually had to follow up and launch an investigation to make sure that information would never be passed on to my ex and him get that information that he should not have ever been entitled to.
1: Oh. I'm sorry, the rage is boiling, I have to say. That is fucking outrageous.
0: Yeah. Fucking outrageous. General duties aren't trained the same as someone specifically in a DV team um, and not updated on procedures regularly, regularly enough. Um, and it slips through the gaps. They forget that they're doing a video body recording or a handheld recording, and this goes through as evidence. And unless that gets put to a judge that those information needs to be suppressed, then it will go through and they can hear that information.
1: No, no, sorry. That was just... just, That is more... That, who's the first person that any stalker victim is going to get in touch with? The duty officer. Whoever answers the yep. phone, whoever is at the front desk. Surely, right. surely they should be the ones that have the most training because they're the first point of contact. That just baffles me. You would you would honestly think so,
0: but I've been up to ring up and find out when he's been arrested or not. No questions asked. All I have to do is give his name. But anyone could have that information, not just myself. Like The, the process is these general duty. Aren't taught the same as like a DV person, aren't you know, it's hard to explain, but they've not got the same background as someone that specifically knows what danger a man or a woman in a DV situation could be from someone that is stalking and harassing them constantly.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, start sure that stalking escalates, it doesn't normally just happen with one incident and then they just decide, oh, well, I'll just give it away. I just I don't know if you have know, heard of Jim Clemente or Laura Richards. Laura Richards was the founder of Paladin. Um it's a stock, a stock in advocacy, and they are my heroes. That's they're kind of one of the reasons that I've done this podcast. But she yep. she's her biggest thing that she bangs on about God Lover is that we have the police have to take someone who comes with um with allegations of stalking, they have to be taken serious because it is a danger. And I think of, which we haven't mentioned, but what, what I spoke to previously, that with your stalker, when you first met him, he was doing all the love bombing, he moved in quickly, uh, he was yes, isolating he you. It is textbook. <coughs> so oh you know for, mm, no sorry the rage is gone again
0: yeah like you did just mention he was very loving and caring when I first met him he yeah. wasn't a big drinker he was understanding that I had children and I wanted to take my time um, and then as soon as he had met the children it was like he was there all the time and before yeah. I knew it he was living there without even really a conversation even being about him living there yeah. Yeah. and unfortunately without his family coming forward and Telling me about his history, it made it a, a lot worse of a situation because they chose to hide that information, thinking he was doing better this time. But it's it's so hard to find that information. You can't find that information as just a general person. You have to rely on what you're being told and what the family are telling you. And yeah. unfortunately, sometimes
1: they're looking out for their own. They're not looking course. out for you. Of course. getting back to Laura Richards. Again, she is trying to get a bill passed. Through the House of Commons in Britain, it's kind of like a sexual offenders list for serious offenders, so it would place a statutory obligation on police, prison and probation to identify, assess and manage serial and serious domestic violence perpetrators and stalkers. So if you, if you meet someone, like you say, online, you don't really know them that well to start with, you can go onto this register and you can check his history. And is that not yes. a great idea or not?
0: That would save a lot of men and women a hell of a lot of trouble.
1: Absolutely. If you were had just met someone who seemed to be fantastic, is answering all the right questions, you know, you, this is what you want, this is what I want in a man, yep, he's ticking all the right boxes, but you went on to... Um, A dangerous offender list and saw his name there see ya <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, be hanging around would you
0: I genuinely feel sorry for the next person that actually meets my ex and yeah. he's going to tell them how terrible I am I kept his son from him they're not going to know this the public records won't show you know how many times we've had the the AVO in court because he's breached it exactly. public records don't show any of that information
1: exactly and so. how, did, how did he breach and, the AVO and how many times and what happened when he did
0: Um. so our AVO was quite a severe one in comparison to a lot. A lot of them, the restrictions are... 150 metres, 250 metres. His one was a 500 metre AVO um, and he was not to stalk or ask, intimidate, have any contact with the children within 12 hours of use of drugs and alcohol um, and like I said, not to live or come within 500 metres of my prior address. Um, and he would turn up at the house, he would stay at his friend's house which was in that, that breach zone um, leaving his car on the road so that I would have to drive by and see that he's there. Um, he would come to the house he would leave things at the house like one time I would come home and there was like I think there was a bag out the back that had lollipops or something in it sitting in the backyard so I knew he had been there and luckily for us we did have the cameras, so I could back up these stories. Oh um, see him there in the backyard. Yeah, you could see him enter the gates, the front oh, gates of the property. Scary. You could, um, we were really unfortunate in the fact that we lived right across from an empty reserve, mm. um, So, which had big ginormous trees, so we were able to have one camera pointing out that way, um, being very careful of legal boundaries because of not, you're not supposed to have it facing a
1: road. Oh, really? Um, I didn't realise yeah, so, that.
0: There is certainly ways, but you're meant to be able to respect other people's privacy.
1: Right, okay.
0: So we were very lucky that this camera caught part of the park and you could see him because he was a tradesman and he generally was wearing fluoro a lot.
1: i will <laughs> <see>, do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you would think if you were going to do this, you'd be smart not to wear bright fluoro yeah. colours. Maybe black, maybe a black yeah. jumper
1: and pants, mate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we were really lucky to be able to have those cameras um, provided to us by the wash house that we mentioned Um, and we were able to catch him walking up and down the pathways and in so many breaches. I honestly wish I knew the number, but the last time it was brought to court on that date alone, there was 20 breaches. Wow. And we had been to court about five or six other times for prior
1: for breaches so what good do you think an AVO is that bit of paper to the stock
0: honestly i would love to tell you it does wonderful things but there is some cases where it's not worth the paper it's written on Yeah. yeah there is some men out there that just take it as a challenge like oh look she's got this on me let's see what I can do and how I can get away with it.
1: Yeah. Um, so what happened uh, what, um, after the breaches? Did he do any prison time?
0: Um, There was a few times where he was given warnings from the judges, mm. quite a few times actually. He was given warnings and put on a good behaviour bond for the most of it well that's a bit as useful
1: as an AVO isn't it
0: yeah exactly um within most of the time within hours of him being released from their custody he was in breach of that AVO again so I think the shortest amount of time we had was a three hour gap from being released from custody to him breaching wow so did he ever do prison time he has um he was stupid enough while he was struggling and using that he did a few other crimes of break and enter um, and grand theft from a vehicle. Not you, he's not to you. Not, uh, he's broken into my house and stolen goods, yep. Mm. Um, but these ones were caught out more further west, out at Campbelltown in New South Wales. They were caught by different police out there. Um, and he was arrested in November of 2019 and was released again
1: in January of 2020. Oh, um, wait, wait, and- Rebecca, wait. What you're telling me is he's done 20 breaches of his AVO. He's broken yep. into your house and stole things for which he received no prison time, but he's broken into someone else's house and he's done prison time for that.
0: Yep, so the time... Me? The time in November that was, he was already on a good behaviour bond for all of these AVO breaches. We had reported more breaches. Um, it was I was moving house around that time into our new property, and i had gone out to the the shed in the backyard, and he'd broken the door and he'd stolen lawn equipment that we'd found was hocked at the local hock shop. Mm. And it was not the first time he'd done this. He'd done this prior in our relationship when we had separated before. And unfortunately, that time it wasn't the police and the hock shop failed to match up that that's what the report were for and those goods weren't recoverable this time we were lucky I got in in time and the police were able to recover those goods for me
1: um but he didn't do prison time then
0: he had not he got arrested for the break and enter into the property which where he stole some generators and
1: stuff which is nothing to do um, with you which was not in relation to me no right. um so that's my point he breached the AVO and did no time but he broke into yep. someone else's property and did time.
0: Yeah. And then when he was brought to court for that one um, back in the November, they, the courts just kept pushing it further and further. Every time I turned up to court to find out the case, because of my ABO hearings um, for the breaches were lumped in with that, that other court case. Right. So they weren't handled as separate matters. They were just all handled on I the see. same day by the same judge yep. in one bulk thing. Um, so I turned up every time to find out what was going on. Um, every single time I kept getting, we're going to adjourn this, we're going to adjourn this, we're waiting for a decision from drug mm-hmm. court. Um, it wasn't until literally January, I believe around the 24th of January of this year, that it was actually heard by a judge because he got approved to be put into what's called drug court here in New South Wales, which yeah. is for repeat um, drug offenders.
1: Can we just explain what a drug court is? So when you go in front of a magistrate, say for breaking an entrance or some other type of crime, normally the justification for punishment include retribution, deterrence, incapacitation, and rehabilitation, or a mixture of the four. In a drug court, the idea of the punishment is rehabilitation it's not punishment
0: yes essentially so when you're normally in front of a magistrate you're looking at incarceration yeah
1: um
0: and doing time for the crimes that you've committed drug court their main focus is rehabilitating you to be a productive member of society
1: Exactly
0: right. via um Programs, programs like rehab, forced rehab, um, mandated testing, so you're not able to use drugs and alcohol, yeah, in um, counselling and and other avenues like like those. Um, unfortunately, drug court doesn't work for everyone. Um, it could be a great program, but with lack of testing due to COVID this year, a lot of the program is sort of slipping. Of course. Um,
1: so was he by, referred to drug court?
0: He was referred to drug court, yep. And he was granted release from jail under strict conditions that he lived at a certain address um, and he was not to use drugs or drink alcohol um, unfortunately for him, oh, I will say it's unfortunate for him because I no longer lived at the, the address within that 500 metre distance of the AVO. He was not done right by drug court. They actually didn't research the address they were placing him at and he was within the 500 metres of my prior address, which we'd never changed on the AVO because he would then have access to the new address. Right. So... Drug court didn't do their due diligence there and he was sentenced to another 28 days in jail. Um, He also, within the first day of being released um, in the January for drug court, was drinking and got done on what they call a sanction. Um, So sanctions are pretty much you have levels in the drug court like if you're on level three, you come three times a week or something like that. I, I can't remember the exact yep. scheme of it, but as you go down the levels, you appear in the court less, you have to do less drug testing. Yeah, um, Yeah. so it, you want to work your way down in the levels. So he was on the first level because he just gotten out and within that, he received a sanction, which meant he stayed on that level even longer. It could be a really great program. It's just that this year with COVID, they had to stop testing and they had to stop their urine testing and their drug testing and all that because of obviously safety concerns for the people that are doing all the tests. Sure. Um, And within, I would say, maybe 48 hours of him getting that news, I was getting messages again and he was clearly off his face. I'm Mm. not quite sure, high or drunk, but he was under the influence of something. Um, And at that point, I think I tried to do a civil meeting because our child's birthday was coming up. Right. Right. And couldn't even do that. Um, He got aggressive. He had been drinking. I walked away and it turned into this big blue... I had ignored him um, and he ended up being served that 28-day sentence for the drug court figuring out they had made a mistake. Yeah. And after that, I had gone back to change everything so he couldn't find me, change Facebook, change Snapchat, changed absolutely everything you could think of. Um, and I was still getting messages of abuse and, and stuff. And it was to that point, I sort of went, okay, that's enough and, and made a report to police again because it was i think the tally for the day i made the report was there was like 30 39 messages and five attempts at facebook phone calling
1: goodness How So did you get your number he
0: didn't it was just facebook facebook you can ah. ring and call anyone you yeah. want even yeah. if you're not friends with them
1: all oh, right okay so, so where are we now rebecca now we're I
0: believe around June this year and um, that's when that happened. Those reports were made. He was arrested again and was called back into drug court. Um, Again, I attended in hopes of finally getting an answer because if you're not attending drug court, you don't find out what happens. Right. Drug court in New South Wales is really secretive. It's not listed on the public listings. You can't find out if anyone's to attend there. You can't find out what time they're going to attend.
1: Results of drug court aren't listed. I don't get that Um, because that's given him Rights that you don't have.
0: Yeah, it's you're, the reason. Yeah,
1: sorry, on. the reason it was explained to me as
0: was because there are people that are testifying against someone that is appearing in drug court. Um, you run that risk that they could become a victim of someone trying to shut them up. Okay. So I was like, it does. To me, it doesn't make sense. It gives them this whole level of privacy that exactly. he's never allocated to me. Exactly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. So where yeah. are we now? Um, now he. We went to court. I believe in August. I think it was um, back to hear the judge's response to him breaching those orders again and not failing. Sorry, and failing to attend counselling and mandated rehabs and everything that he was supposed to attend with drug court.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so we had obviously had the more breaches as well. The judge sort of said to him, "You know what, mate? This is severe. We've already warned you. You know, you're not to have contact with her." Even if she were to say, you can have contact, you know, you're not allowed to, went through all that spiel with him again. And he was actually served a sentence um, and how they do it here in New South Wales is if he's done time for these crimes already, like he'd done back in November and then the 28 days in May, they take those days off his actual sentence that he's doing now. But that's, but, but they're different, they're different offences. They're all linked in together. They're all breaches of the ABO. So they, they do take that off the time. But now he is currently sitting in jail. He will be released the 14th of December next year. If he next doesn't year. receive Yeah. If he doesn't receive parole in June of next year. Which he will. Yeah, which more likely he will. But yeah. because he's actually uh, New Zealand born and not born in Australia and has never become an Australian citizen, he does run that risk now that immigration can actually decide to deport him.
1: Right. That'd be good. It would be, yeah.
0: (laughs) Not going to lie there. It definitely would be a lot easier because, unfortunately, our AVO was taken out in the February of 2019. Um, So it will be expired February of next year. So when he comes out, there is nothing stopping him from starting all over again. Right. And then it's me that has to go back and prove to police that it's worth taking another AVO out.
1: Right. But hopefully he won't know where you are.
0: Yeah, hopefully he won't, and social wow. media's completely gone, so that hopefully he can't find me. Um, yeah, so that's the main goal. We've um, we're really lucky and able to get help with moving very quickly through victim services. They were able to provide funding. Um, so that that is definitely another service out there that women and men should know about. They can get help with immediate needs if they've got to leave and take nothing with them. They can get help fu- with funding to provide beds and for children. What is the name of that? Like that. Victim
1: just, services. I wonder if that's just i'll have to have a look and see if that's just new south wales or if it's australia not, wide
0: not too sure on that one i do know definitely new south wales but i, I don't know if it does go outside of new south wales or not
1: yeah well Rebecca, any- we have run out of time i could talk to you forever it's just crazy <laughs> crazy situation um thank you so much for joining me today and all the best you're welcome man and thank you for having me on board If you or someone you know is being stalked in Australia, please ring 1800 RESPECT. That's 1800 73 7732. In the United Kingdom, please ring Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 020 3866 4107. And in the United States, please ring Stalking Resource Center, National Center for Victims of Crime Helpline on 800-FYI-CALL. That's 800-394-2255.